Hey everybody and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ari and today on our panel we have Tessa. Hello. And Alex. Hello. And our special guest this week is Amina Foon. Would you like to introduce yourself, Amina? Yeah. Hey, my name is Amina Foon. I'm currently a software engineer at Webflow. It's a no-code tool. And I'm from Atlanta. Yay, Atlanta people. Yes. (laughs) Slowly taking over. Yeah, I was going to say, we're outnumbered, Tessa. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so how did you first get into Vue? So I'm actually working on a site where Black patients can find Black doctors because there's a statistic that if your doctor looks like you, you have better health outcomes, and I needed to build it out. And I asked the coworker, what's the fastest way to code something and build it out? And they're like, view. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And I started watching the tutorials and everything just clicked. And I was like, view is what I've been looking for all these years. Nice. So let's talk a little bit more about the project that inspired you to use view. So tell us about your background and, and how that became something important to you. So before I was in tech, I was actually in the medical field. I studied biology and ended up going to medical school for about two years before I um, took my talents to tech um, tech instead. And one of the things that had really driven me into medicine was just the health disparities, knowing that for reasons beyond a person's control, that they were going to have worse health outcomes. And I wanted to be that person that would try to make a difference. So that's what I'm trying to do with technology because health and technology are two very different things. I don't, I would say like, a, it's really hard to find someone who's well-versed in both. So um, that's what I'm trying to do is kind of do the intersection between that and make a good product. I think one thing that like we might understand being in the tech field is you can always kind of look at a product and be like, oh, this is good tech. They had a good person that came in and built it. And sometimes you can see it and be like, all right, they just Googled someone who can make this and someone made it. And it's like holding on with some like uh, duct tape or I guess like technical duct tape. What would that be actually in a website? jQuery. (laughs) (laughs) Such a hater. Who's wrote more jQuery than I wanted to last year, which was more than one line. That's it. (laughs) Yep. It holds the web together. That's it's 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 a beefy, powerful library. It keeps on checking. Yeah. Beefy is a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that we moved on to frameworks. Oh, like WordPress? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really oh. what the re- what the web runs on. Uh, I know we all like to think blog. it's JavaScript, but <laughs> for now. <laughs> so prior to Vue, we've gathered that you have some experience with jQuery, but any other frameworks? Or, uh, sorry, so or any other libraries? libraries. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's a leading question. So to, to kind of back it up, when I left medical school, I had about six months to find a job before they started hounding me for their loan money. So I was like, well, I need to learn a skill and very quickly. And everyone always talked about how tech and coding is hot, the next new thing. 
learn how to code. So I was like, all right, let me find a way to learn how to code in quickly. So I ended up going to a boot camp, uh, Dev Mountain, and learned how to code in 12 weeks. In retrospect, it takes longer than 12 weeks. But, you know, yep. I'm here. Got into the job hunt and I tweeted, hey, I'm looking for a job. And then the CEO of Webflow, Vlad Magdalene, DM me saying that he would help me, which was pretty That's cool. Amazing. So I hopped nice. on to a, a video call to get tips on how to interview, but I was actually in a job interview. So, <laughs> and I just totally went along with it and I ended up taking a job there. <laughs> That's incredible. Huh. Yeah. Now I sort of feel like maybe I should be using Webflow because kind of sounds like they uh, actually put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Imagine yeah, that, so, a tech company doing that. So I used what I learned in my boot camp was JavaScript, AngularJS, which is going to sleep at the end mm. of this year, and React. So those are like the three big things. I think we had a jQuery unit, but then everyone was like, you're never going to use this. So I just kind of like glanced over it, thinking that I would never use it, which was not the truth. <laughs> so those were the main things. And funnily enough, when I left the boot camp, I was not a big fan of React. I was like all in on Angular. Like I loved the two-way data binding. I was like, this is so intuitive. And then like you put me like six months into like a React job. And I'm like, I cannot believe I ever said those words. I take it back. <laughs> but... <laughs> kind of bringing that back as I'm in view and we're bringing back the data binding. I was like, oh, wait, I remember I loved this thing. So it was great to kind of come back to some of the things I liked about Angular and things I liked about React all in one library. <laughs> Around here, we call Package. it a framework, but... <laughs> yeah. Embed. I also <laughs> tend to call React a framework and then get corrected on that very quickly. I know That's that one's a library. I've seen the arguments. Well, we, we just learned last episode that apparently there is still a strong framework contingent within the React community. Isn't it going to be tipping towards um, framework with the serverless, um, the React server components? I don't know. Don't know. We all just shrugged. <laughs> yeah. We, apparently we, we are out of touch. I am aware of the React serverless or like server-side serverless component stuff, but I I don't know how, what their definition of it being a framework versus a library and what tips it into that. So I'm really good at, you know, picking up the keywords of conversations and seeming like I'm like the expert on it. Like I can hold a very good, like, solid conversation on basketball and I probably haven't watched it live in like three years. That's a really useful skill to have. I oh, just yeah. smile yeah. and nod a lot and then hope that people don't realize that I'm doing that because I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I can stand <laughs> in the corner by myself and a bunch of people come over and tell me why I need to get into crypto and won't go away. <laughs> Yeah, doge to the moon, you know? Oh my goodness. So 
So I also went to a boot camp and we also learned AngularJS. Though it was AngularJS 1.5 plus, so it did have components, but I was really into the two-way binding as well. Because I don't know, like the mental model just made sense. Like you change the thing and it it updates. Yay. But then what I found was that you can get into a lot of trouble with two-way binding (laughs) because you don't always necessarily know where the change occurred, (laughs) which I think is why I like Vue because while it mimics two-way binding, it is still in most cases, unless you do the dot sync, whatever, it really is one way. But because, you know, it's event and then prop down, you can always track like where it came from because you can track the events. But I have actually had to resort to doing true two-way binding in Vue and it scared me. Anyone else have thoughts about that? (laughs) I've done some really questionable things in Vue uh, (laughs) regarding two-way binding that I advise no one else ever do. So... I have yeah. many examples with provide and inject where you can you can do things. You shouldn't do them that way, though. <laughs> Tell us more. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my only goal in life is ever to do the things you shouldn't do in view. So that is very on brand, Tessa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself when I'm building in view, I still kind of do it in the, with the reactish way. Of oh you got to kind of I use the is it Vuex that's the store right yeah yeah so I'm like I'm like Vuex for everything when you don't really need it for everything but hey you just I have a growth mindset you just never know when you're gonna have a huge production <laughs> app yes yes <laughs> yeah in the same way like yeah. I love that way of putting it when it, I, I mean, when I had to write you know like a a simple app for an interview, <laughs> like not using Vuex just felt like so like uncomfortable, even though like, you know, it was like a single view and I didn't really need it. I was just so used to it being there and like structuring everything around it that I ended up getting really lost when I decided to pass down my Axios config. And that just, that, it didn't end up working out very nicely, but I somehow got the job anyway. <laughs> I know. Surprise. I want to hear more about the true two-way binding because maybe maybe it's because for me I learned Angular 1.x, which for those who don't know, or Angular JS 1.x is pre 1.5, so there were no components. So for t- to me, two-way binding kind of feels more like the V bind where it's like both you and the user can modify the data. That's the way really? I think of it as well. Yeah, but especially for our listeners who are not familiar with the dot sync modifier and like the different ways that the binding works, because I, I thought maybe it was going to be about how like VBind is technically Vion plus the other one, whichever one is <laughs> emit. I don't remember. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear more about that. Wow, I've never had to actually like break, break this down mentally. I'm just like, I know that it's technically one way binding. <laughs> But like, yeah, if, it, if it's true to a binding, yeah, there's no listener, there's no events being admitted, admitted, it just will directly change that piece of data without any trace. So you can commit crimes without getting caught is how I like to think of it. 
I mean, that There's sounds no fantastic. Ever- we all want that. <laughs> I mean, yes. If you really want to, okay, like let's say you're quitting a job and you really hate the developer who's going to be taking over for you. Dot sync modifier everything. Just say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with two way binding, you don't really have you don't have any breadcrumbs to to kind of follow for where the change was made. But by using you know events and event handlers to then modify the data, you have a trail. The trail would be in the view dev tools. Is that right? Yep. Or console logs on the handler. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go that way, you could add console logs to your t- whatever mutates your two-way bound data as well, right? I mean, Not I write all my code in console logs, though, so. Hmm. I'm going to yeah, advocate for the bugger. Uh, it works out yeah. really well. I'm a console <laughs> logger. Bugger? <laughs> I'm a console log person, but, you know, it has got to put out a little fight for the underdog. I just, my personal thing about debugger is that my propensity to get thrown into the source code is like yes. 99.9%. No, like that, that's why I, like every time I try to use a breakpoint, like I end up in like this five minute loop of the source code and like trying to figure out what I'm actually looking at and if it matters before just hitting the arrow again. For me, it's like you get in the middle of Grammarly um, code and you're just like, all right. Oh, no. <laughs> you should know that I'm not, I do not care about this. <laughs> Why is there this giant list of words? I don't understand. I remember on my first team, which was a jQuery team, we had this really big bug that we couldn't figure out. And it turned out that Grammarly was injecting code into our app and <laughs> messing it up. So we had to tell clients, I think, to uninstall Grammarly <laughs> or something oh like my that. God. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, I had to deal with the Grammarly bug before, and I got deep into their their GitHub issues, and they were having a back and forth with Draft.js, because it's usually an issue with the uh, rich text um, editor. So basically, Grammarly created a one-line code thing to disable it on your side, so that your users don't have to do it, because they always call you, and like, everything is broken, and then you say, Actually, I think you have Grammarly. And they're like, how do you know? So. Oh, yeah. Our issue was that it was overwriting or creating some kind of global variable. And it was overwriting something in our library oh, or something. No. Yeah. There's a one line yeah. that they, they have a backdoor that they, they created just to disable it. I have had a ex- uh, Chrome extension break my code before. And it was really sad because it was some, it was an extension I was really excited about because I thought it was going to make my life better. It was like one tab or something, you know, the thing that encourages you, encourages you to actually close your tabs because I never do. But one like tab short- has lost my tabs so many times. Oh, okay. So, so this was probably a good <laughs> good thing I didn't start using it. But yeah, so like I was all excited, and then it it updated, and it, like for some reason it was breaking my view code so i had to uninstall it and then i forgot it existed for a long time and i was like oh yeah but it broke my stuff so screw you and then the great suspender became a security risk i think the true lesson here is to just never close a tab ever yes yes so now you know where we lie in the tabs versus spaces fiasco (laughs) (laughs) see i am a firm proponent of you must like I I close tabs as quickly as I can. 
So Who are I, you and how did you get on this if, show? Because here's the thing. If I found it once, I can find it again if I need to. Yeah, but I don't want to. This is reminding me of the conversation we had with Anthony about like, if you really want to do something, you'll remember it. And we all know that's not necessarily <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm also like Alex, I close my tabs. And then I, yes. what is it? Control, I mean, command shift T until I find it again. In yeah. case. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Mine is always like one or two command shift T's away from where I need it to be. I'll never well, get it back. I also search my history. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. If I really need something and I really can't find it, it's in my history somewhere. It'll I'll be able to pull it back out. The history yeah. search is like Notion search for me. It never gives me the results. <laughs> but anyway. But so like I know where my tabs are, like, and I know what's on them despite the fact that there's 50 of them and all I can see is an icon. Like my ADHD brain can keep track of that kind of chaos for some reason, but like nothing else. So I know which tab is the view docs. So, you know, I don't have to type it in. It's just, I click the tab and there it is. Or I usually have like five MDN tabs open. One is always open to the JavaScript page. One is always open to CSS. One is HTML. One is DOM APIs. And this just saves me so much time. So one is the Flexbox CSS tricks reference page. Yes. Shut up. Are you looking at my tabs right now? <laughs> so wait, how do you know which what they have different icons or No, I just I, just I, I keep them in a particular order. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like just, the first MDN tab is always the JavaScript one. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it does take me a couple tries on the others though. I don't know if you have this too, but for me it's like I can remember where things are when they look like they're in a mess. But then if somebody moves something, I can't remember. And for a while, one of one of my browsers had that setting where when you try to navigate to a URL, if you already have it open in a different tab, it will take you there instead. And I would just lose everything. Like I would forget what was going on. I found it very disorienting. I love how this like ended up being just a discussion about our browser habits. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this has gone a very interesting direction. So, okay, but te- okay, technically this is developer productivity. This is relevant. Yes. But one thing I did start recently doing is Google has tab groups now. So I've started utilizing those. So, you know, my five Trello boards are now just under like one Trello group and I can collapse them. In- and so I have a little more space, <laughs> but... Yeah. And then view, obviously, that has like, looks like six tabs right now. Because, you know, I need one for like, you know, just the original view docs, one for the view API docs, as opposed to the guide, then one for view X, one for view router, one for view test utils. I wish I were exaggerating, but literally, (laughs) that is what we need like a link tree for all the view references. (sighs) When I'm working on my view project, I have like, the regular view, I had the Nux docs open. I have Tailwind docs open because I also joined that bandwagon. I love Tailwind. And what is it? Also MDN because, you know, you have to read a hundred times what Reduce does. Um, I mean, you have to have MDN open. Yeah, I I definitely have quick bindings for searching MDN specifically so that I can very quickly be like, I know that the thing that I need is on MDN. So just search that 
in specifically. Don't don't mess around with anything else. Who knows all the JavaScript array properties? There's, you know, there's there's people like that, yeah. I'm sure. And there's filter find index, find, find index and find index an, an index <laughs> and index of and flat map and map and there's sort Sorry. Wait, oh, is it yeah. find? Reverse, I never remember what the, the find one is. The reverse is I the use, one that I, I, I found I use out find more than anything. Yeah. Find is the one I always have to look up again. Filter it's is the other one that like I always I'm filter, always like, mm. but it returns one thing. <laughs> Reduce is the one that I've been using a lot lately that I am starting to fall in love with. So I was terrified of Reduce at first. But yeah, I have been using Reduce more recently, whereas for like three years, I successfully did not touch it once. But it I'm, turns out it has value. I'm trying to use Reduce more. My mentor, uh, Kyle Shevlin, yeah, he has this concept of saying like, technically, everything is a Reduce. Filter, the sort, and all that stuff. So it's been going through those properties and trying to build it out again with Reduce. Yeah. Yeah, although technically a lot of people like to use like reduce or map for everything, but a lot of times if you're in a situation where you, where you really care about performance, which is more like fintech, then a for loop might be the fastest bet. Blast. But, uh, <laughs> I guess we all love reduce, reusing, and recycling over here. <laughs> That's what they view is so green. Oh. I'm curious to hear more about why you were asking around about what tools to use to build your products if you were already, given that you were already familiar with React. Uh, React setup takes a long time and I admittedly don't know how to use Webpack. So... The dark <laughs> magic. Like, yeah. yeah, the dark magic like, of Webpack is... Mm. Like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of setup. I was like, I don't want to do all that. And again, the coworker was like, oh yeah, we had a project that we were working on and we built it in Vue just because we didn't have time to do that or want to do it. And they're like, it's so intuitive. Everybody should be using it. They gave rave reviews. And I was like, okay, I trust their opinion. And the fact that I was able to get up and running in one weekend, just a, a testament of how quickly you can get a project started and going in Vue. Yeah, I will say the Vue and the Angular, so that's two plus. And Ionic, I tried recently, like CLI setups are very nice. But to be fair, I haven't tried the React one in a couple years. Yeah, we're told they're super similar, but I just don't know if I believe it. I don't think I've ever touched the React command line thing yet. So it's on my to-do list. I don't know if they have, do they have their own? Because it they used to be an independent project. They have to create oh, React app. In? But is that like yeah. officially supported by the React team? I thought I heard it is now, but I don't know. Oh, I mean, that would make sense. I mean, it like, would make sense maybe if you're a framework, if you're a library. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Which is why I prefer frameworks. Because I get first party support. <laughs> I do like the, the view UI working with that. It's, a, mm, it's yeah. really pretty. Yeah, that has definitely changed my workflow on many things where I'm just like, oh, I need to add a thing. Well, let me just go like 
View UI. <laughs> well, except every time I go to add a library, I accidentally search my own install libraries instead yes. of the search yes. for the libraries they don't have yet. <laughs> and that makes me so upset every time. I've only used it once. Oh, I was going to ask if you also enter server rooms on a skateboard in a f- foot length, I mean, head to floor length trench coat. <laughs> that was my attempt at a hacker's <laughs> reference. <laughs> uh, I, I do not. But no, I pretty rarely add anything of like significance after an app has started. You know, I'm like Amina with the with the growth mindset. I'm just like Vuex from the start. <laughs> so yeah, I just uh, bloat my projects at the front. So Yes, all of my projects just start at five megabytes for the bundled package, and then uh, we go from there, right? We just yeah. that's everything, everything you could need. If you're like jQuery, me, I restart the project every week. Yeah. So even like um, <laughs> the thing I'm working on with uh, Doc, like me, I've restarted it like five times. We're like, first I had it in view two, then I did it in three. And I did in Nuxt, and I'm gonna keep on like what I have now. But then I see like Nuxt is upgraded, and I was like, "Ooh, I kind of want that." But I gotta be like, "No, you gotta know your limits." Well, now I'm super curious. Okay, so impressions on View Two versus View Three versus Nuxt. I'm gonna be honest. I was using View Three, and I was like, "Wow, this is great!" But it turns out. I actually didn't write one line of view three stuff. I was just writing everything like in view two style. So <laughs> nothing wrong with that's that. That's the truth. And I was like, okay, I can use like the reactive, the new like reactive library in there. But then I was like, wait, I'm using Vuex. I don't have to do this. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true for a lot of cases actually. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of cool. I guess if I was writing, if I didn't have a growth mindset, you know. <laughs> this would be the way to go. <laughs> there is also like a contingent of of people who want to try growth mindsetting composition API. So just get rid of Nuxt entirely and do everything a hundred percent in composition API. And then I'm just sitting over here. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> and then you have people like me who make horrible things and write view components the way that you'd write a react component and it's just it's it's um yeah just you know you don't want to you don't want to do that it's fun but i would not do it in production and i only use u3 so that i could try out teleport apparently i'm the only one here here who hasn't actually used view3 because I sign up to give a talk on View three, and then you nope. will have used View three. <laughs> you should, nope, nope, you nope. should, um, you should, you should just open up a couple of tabs about View three, and then they'll just always be Never there. Look at them again, <laughs> and you'll be ready to use it at that point. I mean, like I've read about it, I just haven't actually like used it because, as a lot of you know, I'm very anti side project. So if I'm not using it at work, I'm not using it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, speaking of side projects, I'd like to hear more about Doc Like Me and what your goals are with the project. Where do you want to take it? My goals are just to get some doctors to sign up for it. The main thing I'm building with you is a dashboard so that they can log in and update their information on their own. 
because a lot of kind of existing doctor directory boards, they don't really um, have a interface where they can uh, update their information on their own. It's really like a Google Doc and you email the person and they change it when they change it because uh, building out like a login or I guess a membership page is it's not easy. There's not unless you know how to code. There's not really many no code ways to to do that. So interestingly enough, the majority of Doc Like Me is actually no code. Nice. So it's built. The marketing page is built on Webflow, and right now the search and the login is built in Webflow using Member Stack. But I'm going to be migrating that onto the view app just so it can run uh, smoother. And so I can get more search stuff. So I like to do like search by geolocation. So you type in your zip code and then it'll show you all the doctors near you. So someday I'm guessing you're hoping to quit your day job and then do this full time because that sounds like an awesome idea. No, you're just going to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a business bone in my body. One of the main reasons that I was doing it in no code is that I can hire someone who doesn't know how to code to run it. So nice. I'm just building it because I think it's needed. I also have a personal stake in it where I'm trying to look for new doctors. And I just found out my dentist moved. He didn't even tell me. So That's I need to find a I know. <laughs> I mean, he opened up his new office. This is all great. But, you know, I'm not driving all the way to Alpharetta to see him. Alex knows no, no. that. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's not no. close. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, things like that. I'm like, okay, I need to have this up and running because I have a personal stake where I need to find a new doctor and a new dentist. So, really, it's, it's you, you're, wanting, you're wanting to interview doctors so that you can choose the one that you want. Uh, yeah. It's really what then, it comes down to. Then yeah, I then, shut okay. the site down. Then you, yeah. Then <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> now my mind is like stuck on that episode of Monk where he has to find a new therapist. Dude, that finding is... a new therapist. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually kind of where I got the idea from the site. Because there is a website called Therapy for Black Girls that was started by a therapist that I knew from college. She ran a, a women's group for Black women on campus where they can come in once a week and just uh, talk about whatever issues they're going through. And I kind of kept in touch. So she created that site. And I was like, wow, this is a great idea. Someone should make that for doctors. Then nobody did. And I was like, oh, man, I guess I'm that someone. Someone is me. Yeah. yeah. It's me. <laughs> Nice. Another thing I was really curious about was like the art and design on your site. Like, is that custom? Because I noticed that like all the images have black people. And I feel like I've heard a lot about assets and like stock photos and things like that with black people being really hard to find. Yes, that's true. It's actually from a website called Black Illustrations, which has all the illustrations are uh, black people doing regular things. It's uh, by John Saunders. And I know about it because the website is hosted on Webflow. So that's how, <laughs> that's how I stumbled upon it. Nice. It was like posted at work. Hey, someone made a website where you can buy black illustrations. And I was like, oh, that is extremely helpful. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to get the, the illustrations from there. So is it currently just like in one market, like the Atlanta area, or are you trying to 
expand it everywhere? I am trying to expand it everywhere. I currently have a couple of things to fix around, but I'm getting in ready for a stage where we start signing up doctors for some beta testing to make sure it works. I did run into one problem where a friend was testing it on an Android phone and turns out it's a little difficult to upload a photo there. And of course, in like, in true developer fashion, I'm just like, well, then don't use that. (laughs) (laughs) Works on my machine. So relatable. Yeah. Who told you to buy that phone? (laughs) And I was like, you're right. I should go. I was like, to be fair, I don't, I didn't know it was a problem because I don't own that piece of technology. I'm going to go fix that now. Thank you. This is why we do testing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just going to try to sign up some doctors pretty soon so we can start building out a list so we can start having patients be able to find some doctors and see where we go from there. Awesome. I wish I had cool ideas like that, but I don't, which is why I don't have side projects. Yeah. Side project. I actually do have another side project I'm working on. It's with my cousin. We're doing something for, it's Atlanta-centric, where you can kind of see, it's like a calculator with the Atlanta police budget thing to see if you were to allocate it to different programs, like how much money you could spend on it. That one is, I have to remember what the URL is, uh, mostly because, is it Netify? I can never spell Net- that correctly. Netlify? Netlify. Yeah. Uh, we, mi- we missed a chance to be like, if only there was someone on the show who knew what the company <laughs> name was. Ben works Good for joke Netlify. joke being Ben, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I always like start trying to write Netflix. <laughs> right? And I was like, it, it's not helping me. And I hope that like the browser thing would like correct it. And nope, it just lets me go to that weird ad page. Oh my God. That's like when people were using Facebook all the time and my browser was permanently sent stuck on sending me to the fa.com, which is like some <laughs> soccer website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody I know, I thought they worked at Netflix this whole time and then today I realized nope it was Netlify <laughs> so I feel you we'll add a link to that site in the show notes yeah it's a, a work in progress these I just um, stubbed in some numbers but it's kind of a better working calculator there nice. or not I might not oh, have updated really the link cool. yet <laughs> yep see you just have way better ideas than me and at least someone does is- so sleek on both of your projects, right? Yeah, the the Metalify one is uh, Tailwind CSS. I like watched their, I read their little course booklet on how to make good UI. And then for Doc like me, I just hired somebody. Nice. I'm a big. I really believe in good design, good UX. Yes, I that's like the forefront of a website. I really. The main thing I wanted with Doc Like Me was it to be simple and people to be able to, it just, not that it just works, that what you think it does is what it does. Because a lot of, I found some other sites that it was kind of clunky and it was hard to see the results or even find where the search was. So I wanted to make it really obvious, you know, what you're here to do. 
eventually I need to try out Tailwind. I, I have regrets about my current project because I had the opportunity to like start with cool things and it didn't. And now I hate my life. That's okay. You can just add dot sync on everything and it'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I'm planning on working there for a little while and I don't hate myself that much. <laughs> so one thing I was really curious about was how did you go about um, picking up these new technologies to build these projects? I usually just watch the front end master's course on it. So I started with Sarah Trasner videos. Then I went on to Ben's, then some YouTube for just Googling. And and then, of course, when I like fell really into the deep end of Vue and went all in, I got a Vue Masters um, subscription. So that's nice. kind of what I've been doing. And also asking the internet, which I've gotten lucky. They've been really nice when I've asked. But I know that it's a, a gamble. Sometimes I was like that. I was like that feels really hit or miss. I uh... I, also, I do it at three o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, so all the bullies go to bed at one a.m. That's <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I just like slammed my fist into my desk. You felt really strongly about that three a.m. gang. <laughs> I was I was pulling on my slipper and my hand slipped off the of the slipper and just like yeah, right into the desk. So sorry about well, that. <laughs> Anyway, so Amina, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at, at Amina Foon. I think that's my Twitter name. Uh, if not, <laughs> I think. If you just type it in, I should be like the first result if I even gave you the wrong name there. You can also find, well, you can go to my website, which is um, aminatafoon.com, and it will just link you to my Twitter. So you, you'll get there eventually. Also, you can um, doc like me, which is doclike.me. Just uh, go there, visit, play around with it. And that's where you can find me in Atlanta, too. All right, let's move on to picks. Drum roll, who's going to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay, I'll, okay <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> okay that was amazing. Um, my first pick is super mario brothers or super mario 3d world and browser's fury it just came out on mm. nintendo switch it's been a lot of fun to play i've been playing with my 10 year old nephew and usually when we play co-op games i leave like 30 minutes into it just like extremely mad at him but when we were playing um super mario 3d world we, it's just been so much better. We're able to collaborate well, and it's just been <laughs> really just fun. All right, that sounds like a good game for you to take a break from my time at Porsche and go. We're all going to have to trade Switch friend codes after this. Yeah, and you can play this yep. one online co-op. Oh, oh, we are way to ruin my pick, totally Alex. <laughs> the Gilded One's phenomenal. I don't want to give it away. The only part I would say is like the last one hundred pages are a roller coaster. Stop trying to guess what happens in the book because again, like every time you think you know, there's some kind of twist. I will say I'm biased. The author of the book is my cousin. We just found out yesterday it's a New York Times bestseller. Wow. Congrats. And it was also announced that it's been optioned for a movie and she's writing (gasps) the script. So 
Oh my God. That's amazing. Read the gilded ones while it's still like the hipster thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) My next pick is uh, Jesus and Mero. It's a late night talk show on Showtime. Comes on on Sundays and Thursdays, aka yours day. It's a lot of fun. They kind of talk about the news or random YouTube videos, but they're, they're two guys from the Bronx. So it's always a lot of fun and it's really laid back. And they can make fun of anything, like a, what do you call it? An empty can on the floor. They'll make jokes about it and have you rolling. So it's, uh, I highly recommend. And my last pick is apple ginger sparkling water from AHA. AHA is Coca-Cola's version of sparkling water. And I used to be in the camp that said that grapefruit was the best flavor of sparkling water. But no, not anymore. It is apple ginger AHA. It is the best sparkling water I've ever had. Unfortunately, it's currently discontinued because of the pandemic. I don't think they have like the right ingredients. So you have to go in person to random targets in Walmart and find them, which makes it even more fun. It's sold out on Amazon. So go down to your like local store or your local bougie store because it has to have sparkling water to begin (laughs) with and try to find this apple ginger flavor. Yes. That's sparkling (laughs) water. Yes. If you don't believe me, if you type in apple ginger aha in Twitter, it's nothing but people are like, wow, why is this the best flavor of sparkling water ever? So. I mean, that flavor combination does sound amazing. Yes. So now I'm just sad because I probably won't be able to find it because there's a lot of bougie people around here. Uh, Where are you located? I'm in Colorado. Oh. Yeah. I found one in New York and a Target, so. Maybe there's some. Sounds like your odds aren't bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't tried the water yet. I only know the song from AHA, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the water is just as good. <laughs> it is a good song. Yeah. Uh, well, since you talked, Tessa, you're up next. <laughs> I know. Cruel. So cruel. So my first pick is a portable drafting table. Maybe not the one that I got, but I'll link it uh, just because it's a little bit unfinished. But I tried it last night and it was really nice to be able to stand it up, but also have it on my standing desk so that I can have a kind of easel-like experience, but it's a little bit more sturdy like a table. So that's a little bit better for my back, I think. So that's been nice. I also started listening to this book, Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. It's a book about the experience growing up as an East Asian or more specifically Korean American in the U.S., Uh, although she does talk at length as well about speaking to and reading about other East Asian American experiences as well as Black and Brown experiences and kind of like comparing and contrasting and talking about the overlaps between the different experiences and the ways that the communities support each other and tear each other down and are also pitted against each other. And my last pick is kind of water related. I just got my two set La Mer sweatshirt and I love it. So I will also link that in the, in the podcast. I don't know why I said that we always link the picks anyway. There you go. You guys can't see it, but she's rocking a sweatshirt and she looks awesome. So, (laughs) all right, Alex. I have one pick this week that my wife 
generously reminded me of the we recently watched a really fun really short show called staged it stars david tennant and michael sheen and if you enjoyed good omens which is on amazon you will really enjoy staged because it's it's the two of them talking over zoom calls about rehearsing a play and it is hilarious and there's a brilliant cast of characters that joined them. And yeah, and apparently it's been renewed for a season two. So super excited because I get to watch another season of it. I guess that means it is my turn. As was alluded to earlier, my pick this week is going to be my time at Porsche. I would say like Alex picked a couple weeks ago, but I think the way we're doing releases, this is going to be months later. So (laughs) Um, in case you forgot about it, now you remember, it is amazing. It is very much in the vein of Stardew Valley. So if you were a fan of that, you will like this. But I like it because it does have a little bit more complexity to it than Stardew Valley did, which depending on how you feel, that could be a plus or minus. For me, it's a plus. I do sometimes have a hard time keeping track of everything I need to be doing in my head. So I've had to start taking notes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Going fun. Going on dates is the worst, man. They, they, I just you have went to on my remember. first one. Yeah, you have yeah. to like remember like their food order and like, for you, like I have a notebook that's just full of like food orders. Yeah, now I just use the wiki and I just bring up that person on the wiki and it, yeah. They, of course, have I just reviewed our episode where you said that you don't write things down, so I'm very entertained. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had to look it up because I thought you meant like Porsche. No, like, yeah, no. Like, oh, you, like you work at Porsche and you're car. recommending it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a Google game. X Porsche. Uh, like, and, you're uh, talking I, about Porsche. Okay. Uh, I will clarify that the spelling is P-O-R-T-I-A, so not the car, Yeah. <laughs> which coincidentally, Tessa has been known as not the car before. <laughs> but yeah, I really have been enjoying that game, especially since I've had some not so great things going on in my life, and it has been a nice uh, reprieve from that. So... And that is all for this week's episode. If you aren't following us on Twitter, head on over and find us at Enjoy the Viewcast. Be sure to subscribe to us in your podcasting app of choice. And if you have the time, leave a review. Only if it's nice. Just kidding. If it's mean, we like feedback too. Send it to Gloomy Uh Yeah, but then we're going to ask you to change it later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, And finally, remember, the first rule of View Club is tell at least five or six colleagues about View Club. Thanks for (laughs) listening. And until next time, enjoy the view. Bye.